Hello, everybody. My name is Saba Maruf, and I'm very excited to welcome you all to our very first podcast, Unsung Heroes, Uncovering Stories of Inspiration and Action, being recorded right here in Detroit, Podcast Detroit. Today is the first episode of our brand new show, and I'm really, really excited. Um, here, I hope to showcast showcase some amazing people and share their inspirational stories. Uh, my aim is to uncover the multiple layers of identity and life experience that we all have while highlighting ordinary people and their contributions. Ordinary people that might not always be in the limelight, but are helping make this world a better place each in their own unique ways and at grassroots levels. I think about the term activists, and I'm learning that activism can come in a myriad of different ways. Um, as long as we are engaging with others, problem solving, building alliances and bridges, uh, we are active in our community and society. So in this day of false news, negativity, bold stances and pitting against each other, we just want to have conversations and dialogue to get to know one another. So today I'm very excited. Um, and our theme for this first podcast is living a fulfilled life. Uh, so today I have uh, two guests with me. My guest co-host is Calvin Moore. And Calvin Moore has his own show here as well, um, uh, Leading Questions with Calvin Moore. And I actually met him when he invited me to be on his first on his podcast um, about six weeks ago. And that is that was an amazing experience for me and actually really what inspired me to think about starting my own. So here we are. This is so, like so Thank you, Calvin. So then I'm like I'm like CSI and then you're like CSI Miami. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. This is fantastic. <laughs> and the there's also the V2V podcast, so I guess they're like CSI New York. Yeah, definitely York. Right yeah. Definitely York. So that's kind of cool. Thanks for having me as your co-host today. Of course. Um, and then we also have here in the studio helping us, um, Jessica. And Welcome, Jessica. And she's you. here helping with um, the technical stuff and here to support as well. Um, and... I'd like to welcome my very first guest, um, our first of hopefully many unsung heroes, Zarina Amin Naeem, someone who I've known for some time. Um, Zarina is like, to me, you are like a Detroit, Detroit version of Oprah. <laughs> You're someone I have known, but I've also watched from afar, um, and I'll explain why, but um, someone that I've really admired. I admire your individuality and your unique, unique contributions to the community. Thank you. So Zarina is a just a brief introduction. Um, it's hard to be brief. She has such an amazing list of accomplishments. Um, she is a publisher, a global presenter, and a cultural specialist from Detroit. Uh, she is the founder of Enliven Your Soul. See? Very Oprah-esque. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nia Press uh, and Creative Living and Beautifully Wrapped. And she creates and helps others create meaningful products and events that enliven, encourage, inspire, and educate the community in which we live. So in 2001, Zarina made a bold decision after graduating from Howard University with a Bachelor's of Science in Computer Science to turn down a lucrative career in technology and move to Egypt to experience a new culture. And <clears throat> as you say, this turned out to be one of the best decisions ever. The spark was made and the year abroad um, helped you on a li lifelong pursuit of cultural awareness, tradition, and love of humanity. And from there, Zarina went on to work in international development and became the Africa Program Coordinator for Life for Relief and Development, an international NGO. She came back stateside, got married to Halim Naeem, a psychologist and also a <laughs> friend of mine, um, and then attained a master's in anthropology and began working as a university specialist at both Western Michigan University and the University of Michigan. 
always focused on culture, Zarina's role was to create innovative community and campus programming to spread love and respect between people of various cultures and eliminate racism. Zarina's current work is eclectic. Her time is split between helping to ignite cultural shifts by teaching new authors how to self-publish powerful books with messages through her company, Nia Press, and teaching the global art of head wrapping through presentations and workshops called Beautifully Wrapped. So welcome, Zarina. Thank you, Saba. First, congratulations on your new show. This is awesome. Thank you. I'm excited. So I've heard you speak um, and truly inspire others. And I love your message of, especially this message of, you know, if you have a story to tell, which most of us do, then tell Tell it. it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I love how you're an entrepreneur. And now next month you have um, coming up, you're the lead organizer for the Enliven Your Soul yearly women's retreat. Yes. And this year you're going to be taking a group of dynamic women of all different ages and backgrounds to Morocco. Yes. So exciting. That is exciting. I wish I could come. Come. I thought about it for like five seconds. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> you got to be spontaneous. Yeah. And jump on <laughs> you know, it, you know? I didn't have other people depending on me. Right. Can guys come Jeez. to this? Morocco's no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. This one is for the ladies. I've always wanted to go to Morocco, but okay. <laughs> I'll put together another one for you. Okay. <laughs> so Zarina's self-defined goal is to build a global culture of love, which she works towards through books, events, and unique programming. Yes. Yes. So. That's it. Awesome. I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm just so excited that, um, you know, that you're my first guest. I think you really, um, <clears throat> really embody everything that I've, I'm trying to do here, which is, you know, uh, kind of talk about the different layers of identity that we have um, and, you know, talk about life experiences and how that's inspired you to do what you're doing now. Yeah, I think your idea for the show is awesome because you see people many times walking about or you see them in different circumstances, but you don't know all of the levels that come into who they are and how they came to be. So I think your show is really going to be able to uncover some of those layers and allow us to see the depth of regular individuals that we walk past and do not know. So that is so true. And as listeners will learn more about me, I am a psychiatrist and I always find that fascinating that when people tell me they're secrets and their stories it is amazing it's like it really brings that um to life you know that you don't know what someone's going through you know Mm -hmm. what you don't know what stories they have what tribulations and trials they've been through so when they are a little bit mad or you get mad at them on the road and you have this heated exchange it's like you just don't know and i always find it a huge privilege as a psychiatrist to you know be able to hear those things and it's amazing it's like people exactly they're walking around and they've had these histories and you just have no idea right so right, right. So be nice to people. Exactly. Oh, okay. All that right. is the main message Why do I look here. over at you? Oh, yeah. Why is everybody nice? looking at me? Like, be nice. Be nice. <laughs> be nice to people all the time. I'm a nice guy. That's what I do. He is very nice. Okay. So, <laughs> so, Zarina, you're all about uh, different forms of creative expression, mm-hmm. helping others nourish their souls and tell their stories. So talk to us a little bit about your journey um, and, you know, just kind of what that's been like, yeah, where definitely. you started and how you got yeah. I'm kind of one of those outlier people, people that people think are a little crazy. You know, Outliers sometimes. are fun. <laughs> They're interesting. Because, you know, yeah. <laughs> but my family, it has always been an active family in the community. So I've always been around people who are doing things, you know, mm-hmm. not people who just talk about it, but people who see an issue and they actually work to change it. So I'm very inspired by my parents. Um and, you know, having seen them and being active in different forms of community and being around different peoples, 
it really pushed me to make sure that if I see something, like, don't just sit back, Zarina. Like, you can't, it's not enough just to be a wimp and just kind of complain about stuff all the time. And one of the things that I have a problem with that I see is this amount of hatred and the amount of divisions that are between different groups of people where we have mm-hmm. placed all of these different lines like I am this and you are that. I am Muslim and you are Christian or I am black and you are Pakistani or I am black or you are Indian or you know all of these different divisions. And people have really bought into those false notions of division and it's causing a lot of hurt inside of our world. So what I try to do is to utilize whatever I can as a hook. So whether that be art, whether that be travel, whether that be something as different as head wrapping, um, in order to bring people to the conversation. And it's an opener. It's a way for us to kind of begin those cracks within our um, minds and begin to really connect to one another. Wow. So that's what I do. <laughs> awesome. How did you, I mean, I guess take us through that. Like, you know, you graduated from college you yeah, had a bachelor's in commu- yeah yeah Com- computer science um and so then you took this trip to Egypt Is yeah that so what- you know like I'm from Detroit born and raised in Detroit I went to school in DC at Howard University which is you know the mecca so DC <laughs> is the place to be yeah, I was just there a couple months ago I, I haven't been back in actually a while and I'm probably sure it's going to be totally different from the last time I was there but Howard um, was a really important, pivotal moment in my life because I got to be around all of these powerful black people. They were doing all of these powerful things, and that was really cool for me. Um, I also had a chance to go to Switzerland. So this was my wow. first international trip. I went with one of my girlfriends who is Moroccan, and so we went to Switzerland, and that was like I was so from there. It was like the world is mine. You know, I'm gone. <laughs> I want to see every place. I want to go everywhere. So that when I came back, I knew really at that moment that I wasn't going to stay in computer science. But I went to Howard on a full ride in computer science. So I didn't have any student loans. And I was good at what I did. Always worked. So I worked at GM. I worked at Ford. I worked at Merck. I worked in a corporate environment mm-hmm. within technology. And that money was sweet. You know, that money was good. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got my full, you know, I finished. I'm in, in senior year. And you get an offer, which is basically what you have been working towards this whole time. You've been going to school, working, getting these offers. And I got my offer and everybody was like, oh, that's so great. You know, congratulations. And I'm like, oh, my God, I really don't want to go work there. Like, I I don't Mm. want to work there. What should I do? (laughs) So I actually decided that I was going to go to the Peace Corps. That was my first initial decision. But I got rejected. So I was rejected from the Peace Corps. I got through the first round, but then you have to go to medical and you have to go to a dental examination. And my wisdom teeth had not come up at that time. And so I was rejected on a dental level. I know it sounds crazy, oh, but... Interesting. interesting. I've never heard yes. that before. Well, the thing is that if you're placed in a very remote area, you have... Sometimes when people's wisdom teeth come out, they have very big problems. They have to have right. your surgery. Teeth come, your teeth come in impacted. Exactly. And you have to you know, so it could be a really big problem. So sometimes mm-hmm. they have to medevac people out, and that's an extra expense. So I later on found out... To make a long story short, I found out later on that I could have appealed, but I didn't know that at that time. So I decided that I wasn't going to stop. I was going to go to Morocco. So I was like, okay, I'll just won't go there to the Peace Corps. I'll go to Morocco. I'll get a teaching certificate and then I can teach any place I want to in the world. And they're looking at me and all my family and friends are like, what in the world? Like you had 
this, you know, multi five figure, upper higher five figure offer, and then you're gonna turn that down to go teach like somewhere. It doesn't make any sense. So I um nine eleven actually happened mm-hmm. and they canceled my class for Morocco. And so everybody's like, Okay, Zarina, like when are you gonna start seeing the signs? And I'm like, No, nah, that's still not gonna be it for me. So then I decided to go to Egypt. So I went to Egypt, I was there for eleven months, I taught English to um Sudanese refugees as well as upper echelon Egyptians and my life was like flip-flop it was like yin and yang when I was with my Sudanese refugees friends in the market we were called slaves sometimes we were called all types of different names just called out and I'm like I had to come all the way to Africa to start experiencing this type of racism I mean it was really like a shock but when I was with my European friends that I worked with it was just like huh you know, so <laughs> it was a beautiful little walk in the park. So I had a love and hate relationship with Egypt, but it really sparked me into figuring out ways that we can build more love between us and how I could expose people to the world. Because even though I came into some kind of bad situations um, there, overall, it was a really beautiful eye-opening experience for me. Wow. I know that was a lot. That, no, that's amazing. Like so many... That's really, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, so many things. Well, number one, just that. So how old were you at the at the time? Mm, twenty nineteen. I graduated pretty early, so like the twenty and nineteen, something like that. Just the fact that you had, I think, number like the security in yourself and the confidence to listen to that voice that I don't really want to do this. Like that takes a lot. That takes a lot of courage. Yeah, and that's what I try to teach women now. Like the women I work with, the people that come on our reclaim and manifest trips. The thing is that I believe that right now there's an epidemic with especially with women, but in general, we have a lot of people that are just like zombies Mm -hmm. that are getting up and they're doing things because they have been told that that is what they should do. And they create these lives that look great to the outside world, but inside they're actually dying. You know, they're Mm -hmm. just feeling very frustrated and feeling like there has to be more than this. And until you build up the courage and also tap deep within to figure out exactly where you want to be, I feel as though you're not truly alive. So you have to um, you have to en- en- enliven your soul. That's why I call it enliven your soul. You have to enliven your soul and truly wake yourself up, or else it's like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the point in even being here? Yeah, I think that's so true. I think especially um, you know culturally uh, as Muslim women as well. I mean, it's you have these goals that are set. For yourself, Muslim American women, you have these goals set for yourself socially, like I'm going to get married and have kids Mm -hmm. and live in this house with the white picket fence Um, professionally and in terms of education. You know, once I get to this point, then I'm going to be done and I'm going to be happy. Um, And if you're used to making all these goals for yourself and like looking at the next step, once you do get there, it's like, you know, you have to exactly what you're saying. Yeah. That's why you have to actually, you know, I tell people, sometimes people say, I have a dream to do this. And I say, is that actually your dream? Like, is it your true dream or is was it your mother's dream? Or was it mm-hmm. like what society told you that you should dream? And sometimes people have these goals that are actually not really their goals. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. goals that were imposed upon them. And so when they reach them, they don't get the satisfaction that they thought they were going to get out of them because in fact it wasn't something that they actually truly wanted in the first place so you have to like tap inside and really figure out what do i want you know what are my needs what are my skills and then go about reclaiming and designing the life that you truly want to live 
you want to live, not mm-hmm. what somebody else wants you to live. And that's hard because also if you also, I mean, these are people that you love. So there's also this need for approval and wanting to make people proud. So yeah. it takes a lot of, I mean, that's very interesting. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of layers to that. Definitely. definitely. So your two books um, that, so you've published and mm-hmm. you've written and uh, published two of your own books. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first one was um, Jihad of the Soul. Yeah. Singlehood and Search for Love <laughs> in Muslim America. So tell us about that, how yeah. your journey to that and the title too. So I went to, after, you know, coming back, I left Egypt. I came, I, I came back to the States and then I moved to Sierra Leone, which is West Africa. And then I came back after getting married to Halim. And my husband, Halim, at that time was going to school for his PhD in psychology. So we're at, Western Michigan University, you know, Kalamazoo is a smaller town, not a lot of stuff popping. Yeah, so used I was, to hang out in Kalamazoo did a lot. You? There's not a lot going on you know? there. in Texas County over there. Exactly, like, right? You know, so it's not quite a lot going on. So I was thinking, okay, what should I do at this time? I was either going to start some business or, you know, do something. So I decided to go back and get my master's in anthropology. And I decided to stay here instead of going and doing another um you do ethnographic research. You know, basically you pick a group that you want to study and go deep. So I had all of these friends around me that were single that wanted to get married within the Muslim community. And I'm like, what is the problem? You know, like, why are there, why is there such an epidemic around finding the spouse that you desire? Not just getting married, like getting married, but actually finding <laughs> the one that's going to be good for you. So I wanted to study that. So I went in depth. I interviewed a lot of people across the United States about marriage, about what they were taught about marriage, about relationships between men and women. And um, that resulted in my thesis. Now, most people's thesis just sit on the shelf at the library when they finish. But people asked me for the results, and I figured that the best way for me to put it out there without having to keep typing these emails back to folks was to publish the book. So I ended up publishing Jihad of the Soul, Singlehood, and the Search for Love in Muslim America. And that was really that publishing taught me the power of the word, you know, because when you publish something, you are sharing your views with those around you and everyone's not going to like it. You know, some people are going to get it and some people are not. So it's going to actually teach you that what you're doing is for the greater good, but it also kind of builds up your inner armor, you know, it kind of mm. makes you stronger as an individual and as an artist. Wow. I didn't, I did not know that, that that's how, kind of how that book came about. That's yeah. amazing. That's yeah. very inspirational. I want to read this book now. Hey, like, well, tell Amazon. us about, the, yeah, <laughs> well, and I, you know, Calvin just kind of responded to that, to the title, which is kind of a good segue into what the word, I mean, jihad, jihad means. The scary word, jihad. Yeah, that's, yeah. Mm. Were you scared, Calvin, when you heard jihad? Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I have a lot of Muslim friends and I had a lot of conversations. Okay, you know, A yes. good deal of people who are afraid of it don't have any Muslim friends. So, right. uh, but yeah, go on. Yeah. I think, you know, jihad is one of those words that's thrown out a lot in a political climate. And it's, it's scary for many people. But for Muslims and for spiritual people in general, not just Muslims, like jihad is a word that means struggle. And it's an inner struggle. It's a struggle that you are fighting against those things within yourself that you are um, that you're working to better yourself. So I named the book Jihad of the Soul because singlehood for many people is mm-hmm. indeed an inner struggle. It is not only trying to find themselves, but finding the other person that is th- compatible for them. 
So that's how the name came about. And the second book, Marriage, like our second book is called mm-hmm. Like Glue, the little book of marriage advice we should have stuck to from the beginning because uh, <laughs> because I tell everybody, you know, my first couple of years of marriage, I was like, what did I sign up for? Like, this is not what I had on my dream board. You know? <laughs> and I'm honest about that because I think sometimes people have this little fairy tale view of when I get married, it's going to be like going to the movies every day with roses and chocolate. And is that just how it's going to be? See, my dream board. My dream board is just a picture of a man cave. It's just a picture of a really nice basement. And That's really therein lies the disconnect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, also the fact that I don't have a dream board. There's the other disconnect, right? Yeah, you got to get that. No. You got to get that. <laughs> my sister's all about that. I'm like, I'm not. It works. I write down you. a list of my goals. That's that's pretty much okay, it. Okay, that's good though. Yeah, you do something. Yes. You write it down. I've got something you know? written down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but you know, the first marriage. I mean, not my first marriage. It's my only marriage. But you know, like the first couple of years. I was like, hmm, it's not quite what I thought this was going to be. So it really took some concerted effort for my husband and I to kind of turn that thing around. Now, normally, I think people would have just been like, peace out, dude. You know, (laughs) I'm done. I'm over. But um, he's a good guy. So I was like, no, you know, he's a good guy. So we turned it around slowly but surely by actually putting in the work. And the work was this book of advice that I had really received from a lot of people at our wedding you know, and other mm-hmm. folks that had given good advice. And I was like, why do I have all this stuff but don't actually use it? And a lot of times in life you have knowledge, but you don't actually put it into action. And so for us, turning our marriage around was like a concerted effort to actually work on things that you know you're supposed to do and not just have the knowledge but to use it. Well, I love how um, both of you are so open about it. So as I mentioned, I'm friends with your husband, Halim mm-hmm. Naeem. We're both, you know, being in uh, mental, mental health, health. Yeah. we've had a lot of conversations and um, I really do love how open you guys both are about those challenges because you just keep it real. And that's I think that that's so actually helpful. It's so it's understated. That's so helpful for people because mm-hmm. people are going through struggles. And when they think they're the only one or they think that there's I mean, there's a stigma in talking about it. Right. And usually when people start talking about it by then, it's almost like the problems are really right. Like it's almost like too like they don't talk about it in the beginning. Right. They're ashamed. Um, but. Yeah, there's because you think you did something wrong. There's guilt. There's a family pressure. So I always appreciate how you guys are really open about it, and then yeah. how this led to this book. Yep. How was that experience of writing with him? By the way, well, I did most of the work, of course. Yeah. You know? <laughs> most of the heavy lifting say. is done by women. We know this. We know this. <laughs> but the book, you know, even when I teach people how to write books, I t- there are different types of books that you can write. So this book was actually one of the easier formats of writing the book. These are kind of secrets, but it's actually one of the easier formats of writing the book because it's a compilation of of tips and quotes and things of that nature. So every single page is a different piece of advice. Meaning for those people who don't like to read heavy, dense text, they can just flip through, go to a page, get a piece of advice, and then actually work on implementing that at that time. So Halim and I, we would kind of go back and forth on which pieces of advice we wanted to have in there. Um, some, I would say, okay, like you write this from the man's perspective because I'm a woman and I don't see it exactly the same way. So he would write some things from his perspective. I would put some things in from my perspective and um, it's good. So we actually have our first dual like presentation i think it's one of our first we're going to be going to the miriam conference it's in um oakland california oh, I saw that. it's by wow. imam fahim shuaib out there he's a he's a good guy out there in oakland california so halim and i will be presenting 
on basically actualizing your marriage and doing things that you have to do to keep it hot. Wow, that's amazing. That's really cool. It's like, I mean, that's really neat. In vivo, like here, you know. Yep. I do. I I like that. It's it's interesting to enter into this world where, like, I come from a conservative Pentecostal black Mm -hmm. background, right? As a good deal of black people uh, tend to tend to come from, at least in southeastern Michigan. And so, the things that we think are just part of our culture, just a weird part of our culture. Oh, here's another Christian marriage conference. Mm. Like you don't think you don't mm. think that other people do those things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> you got a marriage conference that you're going to. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty interesting. That's yeah. I mean, that's news to me. It's kind of fascinating. But yeah. Anyway. Well, it's important. I think that marriage, you know, strong marriages are the bedrock of the community. And we see when you don't have strong marriages that children end up having a lot of um, different difficulties that they should not have to go through during those ages. So it's really an important thing. I think a lot of times now times in this hookup culture, and especially when I watch TV sometimes, like you see people just like random people just start doing all this sexual stuff. I'm like, that's so nasty. Yeah, like, see, it's yeah, just see, what, you, what, what you're saying isn't, yeah, isn't super politically correct now. Like, wait a minute, families, you don't, uh, you don't need that. You know, that. Right. How come that's the bedrock? How come single people can't be the bedrock? Exactly. How come single moms, single dads, for all the work they put in, you know, yeah. great work that they're putting in, uh, it's not necessarily politically correct today to say strong families are the bedrock of of our culture. Yeah. It may Even not be sociologically correct, and anthropologically, right. that's very true. Yes. Right. So. Yes. Yes. So that's what we're working on, you know, to try to. The work that I do is very eclectic, you know, from marriage stuff to helping women to reclaim and manifest. But it's all about basically living in your truth and doing those things that, you know, can actually help you elevate yourself and wow. society. Mm-hmm. So what is uh, actually nicely leads into our next question? What is what is your favorite I would uh, endeavor so far and how so? And I guess along with that, what's been your most fulfilling experience so far? Man, you know. Thankfully, I've had a blessed life, so I'm I'm really blessed to have um, one of those lives that I that I enjoy. But a couple of things uh, come up for me. One is taking that group of women to Morocco, like we went in October, and seeing the women's rea- re- re- reactions to the space. I think was was really, really, really powerful for me because a lot of them were there for the first time, and many of them had it on their dream board to go to Morocco and travel, but for whatever reason, they held back from that. I couldn't do it because I had kids mm-hmm. or I couldn't do it because I didn't have enough money. I couldn't do it because of this or this or this. And so for many of them, it was like a stepping out on faith <laughs> type of thing to get the money together and come on this trip. And so it was very, very, very powerful to see that. So I really enjoy taking these retreats around the world. Um The other thing is my work with Beautifully Wrapped. And I'll tell you something that came up today. I was talking to the librarian Tomorrow, actually, I'll be in Albion, um, Albion Library. You guys know Albion is like an hour away from here. Yeah. Uh, Kate Harding just spoke there a couple oh, of days okay. ago. She wrote a book called uh, Asking for It, The Alarming Rise of Rape Culture. We just talked about it a couple okay. days ago on another show. Yeah. Oh, but wow. yeah, uh, very, very aware of Albion College. Yeah. So it's like a little small place. I'll be at the library. Um and um, they've been doing a lot of promotion about Beautifully Wrapped. So Beautifully Wrapped is an international interfaith project that uses head wrapping. I know people are like, what? But it uses head wrapping 
to build cultural love and literacy and respect. So we have a program tomorrow in Albion and the, the library has been doing a lot of promotion and everything. And so she was calling to kind of update me. And she said, well, we only received one bit of hate mail or hate call. And I was like, you got a hate call like <laughs> about head wrapping? And she was like, yeah, you know, a German lady called and said that um, she was really disappointed in the library using community funds, public funds to have a program that's pushing people to learn their ways. And I said, it's a global review of head wrapping. So it's not who is there, like who is the day? <laughs> and so what the person saw was a library focusing on Islam and focusing on a particular type of head covering and that by showcasing this cloth around the head of this woman that they were promoting Islam. And I found that to be very interesting, but it also made me actually quite happy because the whole purpose of what I do is to serve as a crack and to build, bring people in that are not necessarily aware of their um, biases and aware of how what they have been seeing in society affects their natural beliefs of other people. And so I always say, like, culture is that in that has shaped your views and shaped your beliefs and shaped your actions most times without you even being conscious of it. Mm -hmm. So this lady has adopted these messages and absorbed these messages from what she's seen from television and all of that. So all she had to hear was cloth wrapped around the head of a person to automatically equate that with Islam when you have yogis, meditational people who who practice yoga, when they get to a certain level in meditation, they begin to wrap their heads. It's probably you know? not the yoga she's used to. <laughs> you know what? And I'm sure she probably didn't even equate them together. So it's always so interesting when I do this project. It's like all of these folks, but you picked out one particular group um, to focus on. So I'm actually proud I'm not, you know, happy that she had hate, but I'm proud that our or our project is able to bring those people in and kind of open that question up. Wow, so. that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the expo. The expo, the expo, the expo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the expo is the Head Wrap Expo. It's a part of the Beautifully Wrapped umbrella, if you will. So as I said, Beautifully Wrapped is like an international interfaith um, project. So it includes um, calendars, an annual calendar that we do. We do head wrapping parties. I think you remember your mama's Tupperware party. Like <laughs> My mother was a Tupperware lady. <laughs> I, was, I was dragged to more Tupperware parties. I still swear by the stack cooker and the that's a bowl. See, oh my God, he knows the name. Yeah, if, if it cracks, chips or peels, we were replacing it for free. I remember yes, all that right, stuff. So. That's right. So, yes, I do remember Tupperware parties. So we use that same model for head wrapping. And we do like these head wrapping parties all around. Um, and then we have this big event called the Head Wrap Expo, which is coming up on October 29th. It's in Dearborn at the Fort Community and Performing Arts Center. Um, it's next to the police station for those of you who are familiar with the police station. I know some people pay a lot of tickets over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the expo is our big event. It pulls like about 600, 700 people. And it's not just for people who rap, you know, so it's not only for those who enjoy head wrapping, but it's for people who like art, who like culture, who like seeing something new. People who love to people watch love to come to the expo mm. because when you walk around, you're just like wide eyed the entire time. So it includes interfaith panel discussions. So we have the Sikhs from Sterling Heights 
Com and also from Plymouth, Michigan Com and talk about the turban that they wear and why they wear it and what Sikhism means and how it is for them to walk around Michigan and what type of responses they receive mm-hmm. when they're walking around. We have the Orthodox Jewish ladies come from Southfield and many of them wear wigs, but a lot of them also cover their heads with scarves now called a tickle. And so we invite them to come and talk about their spirituality and their spiritual reasons. We have the Muslim community that comes. And of course, the Muslim community is huge. So you have different groups. We have the Sudanese. We have the African-Americans. We have the Daisy community that comes. And we have the Nigerians. So if you've seen the big, tall gale, it's like a big, tall, architectural type of head wrap called the gale. And so we invite the um, Nigerian community. The Oduwa Nigerian Organization of Michigan actually is one of our biggest supporters. And they come and they're a group of people working here in Michigan to share their Nigerian culture and really teach about their heritage. Um, so we pull together all of these different groups into one space to look at the intersection between fashion and faith. And so it has panels, fashion shows every hour on the hour. And we have a huge artisan marketplace. So if you love like buying things that are unique mm-hmm. and different then you'll love getting these handmade goods at the Artisan Marketplace. So it's headwrapexpo.com and people can get information. Wow, uh, how, so much are, how much are tickets for this? $20. $20. So $20. And it includes entry into all of the fashion shows. So there's seven fashion shows on that day, as well as panels. And um, we can teach you how to tie. So Kelvin, you got to come get a turban. You know, uh, I was just, I was just thinking. You know what? I need to upgrade. I, I got a baseball cap game that's pretty on point, but I, I I feel like I need to upgrade. Yeah, we'll take you to Mali. You'll feel like you're in Mali or in the Sahara Desert somewhere. Oh, I know? can go to Mali, but I can't go to Morocco. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I told you. Some bull. I told you. That is so amazing. I was just going to ask you, um, what popul you know what pockets of populations are represented and. Yeah. That's like, I mean, how many years has this been going on? This will be our fifth year. So we're coming up on our fifth year anniversary. It's October 29th and my birthday is October 30th. So I hope they have a cake for you. Right. I'll have a cake for me. (laughs) (laughs) Take my life into my own hands. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a really good time. But we've been growing it and we have a lot of community support. Like we built that entire thing from no funding at all. So I will say this because I really want to give a shout out to all of the great programs that are going on in Detroit right now. So last Mm. year we applied for one of the night arts challenge awards. And so we received a grant, a matching grant of $45,000 that we're going to, we're now about to kick off our fundraising campaign. So we're going to be putting together like a large traveling exhibition called beautifully wrapped. That's going to take this around. So it's taking everything that we've received from Michigan and putting it all around the States nationally and hopefully internationally yeah i was just gonna say is do you know of anything similar that's going on around the country but now no not so unique this yeah and i love how you i mean it's an intersection of fashion faith um diversity yeah all of it tradition culture yeah that's and it speaks so much to your background in anthropology i mean it's like exactly i mean everything i can imagine that you learned i mean just like 
a manifestation of that. Yeah, it's it so is. amazing. It is. And, you know, like I said, you have those events that are opener events. I, I can, I consider this event like an opener event where you're bringing all these different people together. Cause I used to work in, um, at Western Michigan University in the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. So when you are on a campus and you have diversity events, you know, you have some people that come to every single mm-hmm. event because that's their thing. And then you have other students like, I'm never going to go to there. So when you can have like a hook and use something like art or cultural travel, it pulls people who are not yep. necessarily interested, mm-hmm. you know, in diversity into the conversation. And then we can move from there. It's, and it's tough that you kind of have to use it. Like when I was in college, I did a I was the president of our diversity committee. Okay. Uh, so I was kind of the liaison between the student body and uh, the uh, the faculty uh, along the lines of anything that had to do with the diversity. And we had this, we had this group and we had all sorts of different people and people were like, Oh, that's just a black group. Mm-hmm. That's just a black group. And I was like, well, no, it's literally the diversity, diversity. committee. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what we are. Right. We happen to have black people in it, but right. also more than black people to be diverse. That's right. how it works. <laughs> um, but we, because of that, we actually had to start, we started a program, a roundtable discussion that, Ended up leading to the podcast that I do now as my own show. Um, but we did that so that people would not think first, that's the black group. Right. Okay. Hey, here, a conversation about something I care about. These people from different points of, different points of view. Uh, this person comes from my point of view. This other person over there doesn't. But they all at least know what they're talking about. So I'm going to sit and listen to that. So that ended up becoming this flagship program mm-hmm. for our our organization. That way, it did welcome people in so right. that when we did talk about things that they might be uncomfortable for, uh, they had already walked through mm-hmm. the door exactly. and were willing to be in the room now. Right. So I, I really love yeah. kind of the approach that you're taking there. Yeah, you kind of warmed them up. And yeah. some people don't like the whole respectability politics thing. That's how they how they view it. But I sometimes feel like it's necessary. Yeah. You know, there is a lot of political stuff that goes into diversity talks and anti-racism talks. And how do you do it? And how do you mm-hmm. how it's supposed to be effective and things? But I think basically, you know, when we have folks that are trying to do great things and are trying to do something, then we have to work towards it. And, you know, in general, I think that we have to all be intentional about not only stepping outside of our comfort zones, but being intentional about doing whatever we can do to create love, you know, in the community. So whatever your talents are, you know, you're a psychiatrist and you're helping people from the inside to heal themselves. You know, you're great on the radio. So whatever your talents are, then it's important for us to um, to bring those out and to utilize them. And that's like really what I try to do with other people and help them do that. How many people, I mean, speaking of, helping other people, inspiring other people with your mm-hmm. publishing. And I don't know, we've invited you to speak about the NIA publishing uh, uh, company. You're right. Um, how many people have written a, written books with Oh, yeah, with system? our company? Yeah. Yeah. So we have, I have two things. One, I have like a, a um, online system. So people that want to know how to publish their books step by step by step, but don't want to try to figure it all out on their own then they join our group. So it's called Book Power because books really do indeed have power. And Mm -hmm. when you publish a book, you recognize that you're able to establish yourself quickly as an authority within whatever field you want to be in. You also are able to create a legacy for your family and you can generate multiple streams of income. So books really do indeed have a powerful, um, they're a powerful tool. So in our NIA authors group or in our Book Power group, we have. 
let's see, I think we have about six people now who have published their books through that system. And it sounds like a small number, but I haven't really focused on like pushing it big, 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 Mm. big, big, because I'm more focused on quality. quality I want to make sure that people are getting what they need to get and that the books that come out are not just those little crappy books that you see sometimes, like they're actually quality books. But overall, we've published about 21 books right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm really pleased. 21 more perspectives and stories that, you know, just empowering people that had a story to tell, but just didn't know how to Right, right. And I think people sometimes they's like, oh, you know, I've wanted, I've always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to do it, but they just didn't know how. And so mm-hmm. by me doing it and then now being able to teach people the system, the step by step system that they can use, it empowers them, you know. And these are books that can be found on Amazon. Yeah, they're, they're all like mainstream on Amazon and, and neapress.com. So most of them are listed on our webpage, Nia mm-hmm. and Nia is N-I-Y-A-H. So thank you so much for saying it right because People say Naya, and I was like, no, it's Nia. Nia means intentions, mm-hmm. you know, purpose. So it's N-I-Y-A-H-Press.com. So I know we kind of talked about this. Um, you talked about, and that's kind of something that is the purpose of my show, too, is I want to kind of go in deep into people's pivotal moments. And I think you mentioned them mentioned some already, but any other ones that you can, and I always believe that there's, you know, there's not always a moment, but Mm -hmm. I think a culmination of moments, but pivotal moments in your life that you feel that, you know, kind of did did change your path. And I think you kind of already did talk about this, but um, I don't know anything else you wanted to add, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that led to what you're doing today and how you're helping people. I think in general, sometimes it's not necessarily one pivotal moment, Mm -hmm. you know, because like sometimes it is, I'm saying that like sometimes it is like me deciding to go to Egypt and not take that job. Like that was indeed a pivotal moment. Me getting married to Halim and going to Kalamazoo, you know, that was Mm -hmm. a pivotal moment. But I think honestly, for me, I found that it's more of the decisions that I make on a day to day to day to day basis that can add up and contribute to the different things that I'm able to do or the paths that I go. So I think for many people, like once you decide exactly where, what you want and what you want to do with your life, then is breaking that down into smaller goals and smaller actions. So you have to take action every single day. You can't say that I want to reach six figures in my business and that just be a goal that hangs out there for two years or three years down the line. You have to break that down and actually achieve that. So I think for me, it's a conscious realignment to my personal mission that I focus on day to day that allows me to live in my truth and live in my my um my journey and so for other people who are listening to this i would challenge them to really decide on themselves like what do they want and why like why do you want that why is that part of your personal mission and once you have that then challenge yourself again and it is a challenge because you're going to get off and you're going to go back into your regular habits and the things that you've always done but challenge yourself to identify what are those things that I can do that will actually help me to move from A to B. I want to get to B. I don't want it to just live in dreamland for the rest of my life. You know, I don't want to have that big regret. Mm -hmm. So what do I need to do in order to get me from A to B? And if you don't know what you need to do, then find somebody who does, because there's always someone else that has done what you want to do or can give you some, at least some advice that is relevant to what you want to do. So that's, I would say my big challenge for those who are listening and that's how I kind of create pivotal moments is by doing those small things on a day-to-day basis that's interesting so it's also like 
not waiting for those moments, but actually creating them. Yeah. yeah. To help create change yeah. in your life. Yeah. Like right now I've been really focused on like these metaphysical properties of life of like how we tap into, you know, you've heard the secret and all that kind of stuff, like how people attract things to them, mm-hmm. law of attraction. Um, I believe in that. And I also believe that we are more indeed powerful than we know. So I've been looking up into the the, the role of the heart and the role of how we can indeed function and changed our environments around us. Um, and so I, I think that for me, like that stuff and figuring out how it's not only the actions that I take, but it's also how I think. <laughs> it's also mm-hmm. the energy that I release into the world that affects the opportunities that come to me. I think that stuff is super duper duper it's powerful. Self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're challenged right now and you're kind of feeling like, dang, I'm frustrated don't know really which way to go. Like, what should I do? Mm-hmm. I would say first challenge yourself to just think positive and meditate on something that's positive, like really hard. Think about it and mes- meditate on something that's positive. And you'll find that slowly your mind will begin to change and you will begin to attract more of what you desire in your life. So if you're broke and you want money, like don't be like, oh, I'm broke. Like, I don't have any money because that energy that you're putting out is that you don't have. Mm-hmm. So instead say, whoa, I got $5. So if I got $5, I can have $50. If I can have $50, I can have 500 500 can go to 5000 So what you put out into the world does attract the energy to you. That's amazing. And um, I mean, this is such an, I mean, I'm, you know, again, my goal is to inspire other people, but this conversation has been very inspirational um, to me personally. I guess lastly, before we wrap up, um, Zarina, what is, and you've answered this other, um, also, but you know, if you, anything that you want to add on or leave us with, um, what is the secret to living a fulfilled life? I think the secret to living a fulfilled life, I feel like a yogi, like I should be like, my child, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, I think all of us, that's what all of us are still searching for. So I don't pretend to be some type of guru or anything like that. And I think that, you know, for me, the secret to living a fulfilled life is tapping into my truth and having that be in alignment with God's purpose for me. And um, sometimes some of the actions that I want to take may not necessarily be things that are good for me. So being able to evaluate between what is um, what is a positive action of mine and what is just something that that's more based in ego and selfish is um, is is something that's important to do on a day to day basis. So I think that part of living a fulfilled life is one getting in touch with who you are at your core. And releasing yourself from the culture in which you live in. And so, as I mentioned, like culture puts things on you that you sometimes adopt subconsciously Mm -hmm. or unconsciously and blindly and and blindly, you know, so it is important to really tap into who you are and accept that and then move forward to what you want to be. You can design your life however you want to be like you are that powerful. So you can design it the way. And if you have brought it to this point at this place where you are right now, you can write that next chapter and you get to write it. You know, you get to put whatever you want in there. So I think, um, you know, deciding who you are and then having the courage to move forward with action is the step to being fulfilled. Wow. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I mean, again, I find it so inspiring and you're I mean. I'm going to be thinking about this conversation all day. I'm going to be thinking about this conversation all day. So much good content. Amazing. I'm going to get you a dream board. 
<laughs> I'm just going to put a picture of a basement on it. <laughs> so. ah, and some people, that's all they want. <laughs> just need my that's space. Okay. That's all I need. It's my sanctuary, right? right? So. Minimalistic. It's all, right. Right. it's all good, too. Thank you so much, Serena, Thank for Thank being you. here and for helping me kickstart um, this podcast and everything you said. A lot of that are thoughts that I've been having the last few weeks as mm-hmm. we've been kind of building up to this. Um, we had to kind of, you know, push away some of that self-doubt. Yeah. And... And that's kind of what this all is all about. I know that you're an amazing individual in person. You have amazing ideas. And I just want to be able to share it with everybody. Yeah. Like, why keep it to ourselves over here in this corner of Detroit? And you are doing that. You're going to Albion. You're going to right, California. Right. Um, so this is just another medium. And thank you. thank you so much for being here. And Well, and, congratulations uh, to you, Saba. Oh, this is really you. awesome. I'm really proud of you, <laughs> you know, stepping out and going into your truth and using your talents to better the world. And you should be proud of yourself. All right, this has been really cool to see yeah. you kind of grow into uh, into into the space that you're you're finally utilizing. Yeah, oh, we're sending you. her high fives. You I can't know, see right? them, but yeah. bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, listeners, um, for joining us on this first episode of Unsung Heroes, um, living a fulfilled life. I hope you enjoyed it and found it inspiring and. This really does kind of um, inspire you to dig deep into your soul and figure out, you know, is there a calling that you're missing or what is stopping you and asking those questions to lead to hopefully change and action. So thank you once again, and we'll hear from you next time.